Hi everyone, this is Victoria Stapleton. I'm the Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. I am excessively and delightedly pleased, perhaps even egregiously pleased, to welcome you to this episode of the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Our guest today is an exciting new talent in the young adult literature firmament. His name is Daniel Aylman. He is a person born and raised in Mexico City. I believe he uses he, him pronouns. That's what it tells me on the back of the galley. Uh, but I feel like I should ask that again all the time. But he also spends his time in Canada. I know, so exciting. And he went to McGill University. And he currently lives in a town where there is lots of good eating and lots of good writing. And that is a place called Toronto. I know it's said a little bit differently by people who are from Toronto, but I can't say it correctly. Welcome the author of Indivisible, Daniel Aylman. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. I'm so, so happy to be here. And I am so, so happy that I ended up with the wonderful team at LBYR. Uh, Daniel, will you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So as you said, I was born and raised in Mexico City. My family immigrated when I was a teenager. Um, my parents ended up in the United States, close to New York City and New Jersey. I ended up coming up to Canada for school. Yeah, like a few years later, I'm here uh, living in Toronto, writing, and I just love all things books and literature so much. I really do enjoy Toronto. Some of my very favorite memories of book life are actually in Toronto. Someday, I'll get a bunch of people around a table at a certain Portuguese restaurant in Toronto, and we will all talk about an infamous dinner that I had with Nancy Farmer, Prince winner, National Book Award winner, infamously interesting person, and her editor, and how much trouble I got into for the size of my expense report uh, after that dinner. But I would trade none of it because the stories, the stories I heard, and I love how Canada supports artists, writers. Welcome to our list. Let's get into talking about this book. I mean, you mentioned that you are an immigrant and this book does deal with immigration, but it is not an autobiographical novel by any means. It is a beautiful novel and Booklist has given it a rave starred review. His writing is stellar, clear and emotional, realistic and suspenseful. The story is complex and heart-wrenching, yet full of hope and familial love, making this an excellent choice for even younger YA readers. I mean, honestly, you can't do better than that. That was such an amazing review. I was I was screaming when I read it. It was so wonderful. I had a squee. So before we get into the specifics of your craft, what was your road to thinking you want to be a writer? Did you go to school for writing? I did not. So writing is something that I've done my whole life. I honestly cannot remember when I started writing. Earliest memories of it are from my house in Mexico, and I would sit in front of our family computer, typing out my little short stories. And it's just something that I've done forever. I went on to write novels, very poorly written novels by the time I was a tween, and then full length novels in my late teens. And I really don't know who I am without writing. It's something that I know I've always done and will always continue to do. I really enjoy that though you did not start out thinking that writing was going to be what you did for a living, it's the thing that you do that really is you. A hundred percent. And it's just, I did at some point start to wonder like, is this something that I could do for a living? Is this something that I could do on a more serious level? 
and I did not go to school for it. When I went to college, I did a business program. Part of it was my parents being immigrant parents telling me, go do the practical Mm -hmm. degree. And you know what? I'm glad I listened to them. I did learn a lot. But ultimately, I'm so, so grateful and so happy that I ended up exactly, I feel, where I belong, which is telling stories and, and sharing them with with people. Well, let's get into this story, Indivisible. I really do think this is a superb piece of writing and how you have presented this story of Matteo and his sister Sophie uh, speaks to a, a specificity of immigrant experience. But I will tell you, as a child of divorce in the 70s, whose parents uh, got together and separated multiple times before, thank you, baby God, to post it was all over, I did not know the status of my parents from one day to the next. I remember vividly in grade school being moved, coming home from school, and then being taken into a moving van and going, I did not know where. So I think there's an element of what you've brought to the book that speaks to that security that children make in insecure circumstances. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because as we open this book, uh, Matteo and Sophie, it's not something they talk about all the time. But there is that underlying sense of, I don't want to say insecurity, but perhaps less than settledness. A hundred percent. And I think that that is something that for many immigrant families in the United States is a part of their reality and a part of their daily life. And it's something that you learn to cope with. You know, and it's something that perhaps is always in the back of your mind. And that is something that I really wanted to portray at the start of the story. Well, how did you begin by constructing Mateo's voice? I suppose I'm sort of, so, sort of asking what was the genesis of this particular story out of so many stories that you've written. But I'm really so intrigued by Mateo as a character and, and how he makes sense of the world um, internally and then acts upon it. How did you start constructing his voice? Because Mateo is not you. You know what? There, so as you mentioned at the start, there this is not an autobiographical story, but there are biographical elements. Mm-hmm. And I do think that a lot of my family's experience immigrating, um, at some point my parents' ability to remain in the United States was threatened. My own experience, not like immigrating to a new country, which was Canada, by myself, a lot of this informs what I'm writing mm-hmm. and the feelings Uh, that Matteo shows us. And so I do think that there is so much of me and Matteo, and that is perhaps part of the reason why some people have told me, you know, this story feels intimate. And that is something that makes me happy to hear because I feel like that means I've achieved something which was also leaving a part of me on the page. And Matteo really is a part of me. So he is a part of you. How did you know when you'd gotten him right as a character? Some people construct their characters, and it sounds like he just sort of emerged from you in in a more, for lack of a better term, plant-like way (laughs) as an outgrowth of you. But then Matera has to take on his own being. What was that process of, like, you first perceive him, and then how did you know, oh, that's him, that's him? I feel like for me, writing Matteo was very effortless. Like I sat down one day to start this story and his voice just flowed out. It was just so easy. And I feel like my best writing always is effortless. Like that is a sign that I'm, you know, on the right track. And so Matteo wasn't a character that I very carefully constructed Mm -hmm. beforehand. He was someone that I thought to myself, I'm going to write 
someone similar to me because a lot of, you know, even the first line of the book, Mateo's mom always tells him that he feels too much. And so that is something that my mom has always told me. And I, I really just wanted to show someone that was like me going through circumstances that were in some ways similar and in many ways different to my own. And I feel like that was just it, you know, like getting him right was simply a matter of, of making sure that I was writing in the most genuine way and that I was writing almost as myself at times. So I'm trying to get at this the right way because I just, okay, listeners, let me just explain to you. I super squee this book and it's hard for me to talk about because I squee it so hard. I know I'm supposed <laughs> to say I stand, but I cannot with that. It's too, that I, but then I'm a 50 year old woman who said squee on a recording and you're going to be able to hear it later. So I don't know why I'm being too damn precious about it. The sense of Mateo as a character is also occurring as you get or develop a sense of yourself as a writer. Talking about those earlier stories that you wrote and just sort of like, but now as you are maturing into your voice, you spe speak of effortlessness, but come on, there's got to be some work in it. And you know, sometimes you're like, I don't love that. How did you understand your own voice so that you're writing this type of book? I think that that came from practice. I feel like as writers, and for me in particular, I started writing out, you know, my little short stories that imitated perhaps the style of many authors mm -hmm. that I had read at the time. And slowly but surely, I feel like that was, that was it for me. It was practice. And with every book that I wrote, I felt like it was more uniquely a Daniel Aylman book. And that was just it. And by the, I mean, I have written perhaps 10 novels before I wrote Indivisible mm -hmm. um, and not all of which I pitched to agents. Some of them were purely for myself, mm -hmm. but I think that all of those books, hard as it can be to put them in a drawer and be like, this will never see the light of day. They did have such an impact, which was helping me develop my voice as a writer and helping me develop my style. And so with every new story that I wrote, I was getting a little bit closer to feeling confident and like get it, like stepping into my own shoes as a writer. What would you say your style is? I would say I I love writing in a emotional way and in a way that feels very personal. It's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, uh, how method acting and writing can intersect. Mm -hmm. And I don't hear people talk enough about this. I think that as writers, especially those of us who write in the first person narrative, it's so important to step into your character's shoes and truly live their their experiences and their feelings. And so for me, while writing this book, that was also something that I think I did a lot. Like while I was writing these stories, I was feeling Mateo's emotions with him and I was I was truly seeing the world through his eyes as I was writing the scene. I, I like how you discuss that because I am intrigued by how emotion is handled and sentiment is handled in YA Lit because I do think it is a place where we we see very clearly a depiction of that crossing over from childhood to adulthood and how we develop and have authentic emotions and account for those emotions. And Mateo has a lot of emotions and thoughts and feelings to process, but it's it's an emotionalism that is, I don't want to say emotionalism, that's a wrong word, 
the the um, the powerful feelings that he experiences and you help him give voice to that emphasis on empathy and sentiment of binding a reader and a readee together to move forward is is really interesting to me there's some people some authors they don't love emotion they're there for the plot and the mm-hmm. plot is great mm-hmm. or they're there for the adverbs you know we know <laughs> we know these people yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we know some people who are there to show off how many pages of the thesaurus they've ripped out or the Urban Dictionary. But this is not a flowery book, and the words seem to be well chosen. The prose seems to be well developed to hit that point of uh, a very authentic empathy. And I know you said that it comes out that you know you're working best when it's easy and it flows were there times when it didn't flow so easy and what did you learn from that i think that when it flowed the least was when i was in the editing process because again because my writing is so i want to say intimate and personal to me the editing process i mean it's so wonderful and so necessary and this story grew so much as a result of it but it can also be hard for me to kind of let someone else insert their their voice into the intimacy of what I'm writing on the page. And so I feel like that was when it was the toughest. I learned that, you know, when, especially when you're on deadline, you just got to keep going. And I think that consistency is such an important thing there. When you're struggling with, um, with, the writing, with the emotion, with whatever it may be, just showing up is a huge part of it. That's interesting you talk about editing because, you know, this book is going to be in the world uh, uh, in May of 2021. And then a whole, you mm-hmm. know, people have started reading it as uh, yep. as ARCs, and hopefully they will start reading it as library patrons or bookstore purchasers. Um, and they're going to have thoughts and feelings. So I guess this editorial process was an early taste of what's going to happen when Mateo and Sophie and the and Indivisible meet other totally. people. Are you ready for that? <laughs> I think I think I am. And you know why? Because I I think the response so far slowly but surely has trickled in, and I see so many people kind of understanding what I was trying to do, and I see so many people connecting with the story and that is something that I wasn't really prepared for it wasn't something that after all those years of writing I you know thinking about someone connecting with my book and I had someone reach out to me this week saying this is one of their favorite contemporaries that they've ever read and Mm -hmm. that is just something so special and that has been something so rewarding and so um so lovely about this whole this whole process so I'm not really scared anymore about um, people reading it and everyone of course will have their own take on it and will have their own opinion but I think that as long as it's reaching the people that it needs to reach and as long as the right readers are connecting with it that is the only thing that matters to me. Are you going to be able to let Mateo go or have you already started that process? I It was so painful to let him go. Finishing copy edits I, and I did it twice because I did do a round of copy edits with Disney, my previous publisher, and then we went back to do a round of edits with Little Brown. And so I feel like I said goodbye to him twice. And that was just so, it was so painful. And right now I am wrote, writing my second novel. And 
I still feel a little bit of Mateo like wanting to creep in, you know, when it comes to the voice and um, and the, the emotion on the page. And I have to really pull myself back and be like, this is a new character and this is a brand new story. Oh, yeah, it's that sophomore thing of like, you've gotten through the first one and you can do it and you know it and you're so attached. It's, you know, it will never, a hundred percent. it'll never be that way again, but things will be, this book, this new book will be, will be special and fantastic in its own unique way. All right, I want to turn now actually to one of the themes of the book, immigration and, and, and crossing, because a lot of mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's about moving from place to place, but also place to place emotionally and moving from childhood to teenhood. We haven't gotten into the plot of this book, and we're not going to, readers, because you really need to read it. I, I don't think really the plot, I mean, the plot is important, and it's an important issue that is key to what's going on uh, in North America, but in a lot of different places, because there are migrants all over the world in various for various reasons, and no one takes the the choice and the chance to immigrate lightly. That is a serious thing, especially when they have children. But I think the heart of this story is exploring the emotional power of those choices. Um, can you tell us what is the emotional core of this story? The core of the story is it's a story about a teenager trying to be a teenager who is faced with impossible circumstances and who has to watch his friends um, have all those teen experiences while he is forced to mature and to take responsibility for a lot of things that, quite frankly, don't belong to him. Mm -hmm. And that is something I think is such a prevalent theme in the book. And it's something that I'm writing about again in the second book because it's very true to my experience. And now I just, I'm sorry, this is a surprise. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I just love this book so much. I feel compelled to read this passage. We drive back to Manhattan with the windows rolled down. Jorge is in the driver's seat with Amy next to him and I ride in the back. For the first half of the way, there's sadness in the air around us. But then, when I meet Jorge's eyes in the rearview mirror, I realize that he's smiling. And I frown a little to myself, trying to understand what he could possibly have to smile about. But as we get to the Queensboro Bridge and I look out the window at the Manhattan skyline, I also find myself smiling. In the back of my mind, I can't help but feel as though we've made it. Even after all the fear and the separation and the uncertainty of the past few months, we've somehow made it out on the other side. I think about Ma and Pa picking Sophie up at the airport a few hours from now and about all the things I'm gonna do with my future. Because as long as I'm here, and as long as we hold on to the hope that Pa and Ma will one day return, their American dream lives on. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Even I am like almost tearing up, and I wrote that myself. <laughs> it is a hard thing to make this old woman cry. And you have done it, and I am unashamed. Thank you, Daniel Aylman for continuing to write through all those many novels that are hidden in your bedroom drawers. And thank you for taking a chance after McGill and casting aside business school. Thank you for writing Indivisible. Thank you for trusting us at LBYR with your book and for trusting your readers. 
and thank you for being a guest on the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Thank you so much. Gentle listeners out there in the virtual universe, Indivisible is a book you should make a right life choice for. Get it on your bedside table. Read it once, twice, three times, early and often. You will not be disappointed. We'll see you next time.